we have to change the the mindset or the language around business development and sales so that we can create the culture that we want to create. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 28. And my guest today is Amy Franco, who's a strategic sales expert, an author, and a keynote speaker. Amy built a successful business-to-business sales career with global technology companies like IBM and Lavino. In 2007, she took a pivot into entrepreneurship and launched a training firm, Impact Instruction Group. She has successfully built a book of business that includes some of the world's most recognized brands, such as IBM, Deloitte, and BKD CPAs. Amy now works with professional service firms, helping them grow their business development results and build firm leaders. In Amy's new book, The Modern Seller, it's an Amazon bestseller and also named 2018 Top Sales Book by Top Sales World. The Modern Seller is not a book about prospecting or negotiating skills. It's a book that explores the five skill sets that individuals and organizations need in order to become successful. These five skill sets are agile, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and ambassadors. In the interview, Amy explains each one of these skill sets in greater detail and focuses her thoughts towards the financial service industry. However, no matter what industry you're in, the ability for you to develop these five necessary skill sets is crucial in your career development in today's disruptive business environment that we're operating in today. Now, before we get to the interview, Change Your Mindset is now being distributed on C-Suite Radio, and you can find Change Your Mindset as well as many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. Now let's get to the interview with Amy Franco. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm excited today because I got a fellow NSA Ohio, O-H-I-O, speaker with me. Welcome, Amy Franco. And thank you for taking time out on this dreary, dull, rainy Columbus Day. Uh, thank you so much for having me and uh, OH. <laughs> <laughs> and Amy has just published no, uh, published a book back in October called The Modern Seller. And that's going to be the basis of our conversation today. But before we do that, Amy, if you can give the audience a little taste of your background, how you got to this point that you're a well-known, highly published author. Sure. So, uh, so the the Cliff Notes version of that, if you will, is uh, the the first ten years of my career I spent in uh, technology and in sales. So I'd call it a traditional B two B selling environment. I worked for IBM and for Lenovo, and then for the past twelve years, I, I, I took a pivot into entrepreneurship. Twelve years ago, uh, founded a learning and development company, which that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. But uh, but for the past twelve years, I've been in the learning and development field, and over the past five years, really niched down and got back to my roots in sales. So what that looks like today is I work uh, primarily in professional services and work with organizations on uh, business development and sales training, and then also uh, keynote speaking, which is how you and I cross paths at uh, NSA Ohio. Exactly. So great sales background, great companies you've worked for. What was it about inside you came out and said, I need to write this book. I need to get this out of, out of here and onto paper. Was there a moment, that aha moment? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've always loved to write, you know, ever since I was a kid. So I think reading, writing, those were things I absolutely loved to do. I was the kid who spent my days uh, simultaneously uh, at the pool and then I would go to the library. So I loved reading. I loved writing. So I think that's always been a part of me. And uh, I, I enjoy writing. I've always enjoyed blogging and writing short form posts. And so that just kind of turned into a passion or a spark of an idea of wanting to, to write this book. So I, I kind of say that the book was a sort of a 20-year a dream and a 20-month project. <laughs> uh, the, the catalyst for the book, though, and, and maybe for someone who is in the midst of a, uh, you know, they're, they're evolving their career or maybe changing their career. The catalyst for the book came at the time when I started to really niche down into sales and wanting to create something to build additional credibility, additional visibility in that field. So that was part of it. Timing was a catalyst. And then as far as the material for the book, as I was doing more work with clients in sales, I was seeing these, uh, this need for these skills behind the skills. So it's not a book about prospecting or presenting, negotiating, closing, lots of great resources out there. And those are still much needed skills. But I wanted to dig into the skills behind the skills. So the book gets into five skill sets or capabilities that I see individuals and organizations needing to build. So so the catalyst was part timing and, and part content and seeing what was happening in my own clients. Well, what are the five that, that you just referenced? Yeah, yeah. So so a, mod, a modern seller or a modern business developer, whatever you happen to do in your firm, um, they are agile, they're entrepreneurial, they're holistic, social, and ambassadors. So, so the book digs into those five and you know, what does it look like in, in your firm or with your clients? And most importantly, I, I like to think of it as a field guide. How do you actually build those? 
in yourself or if you're if you're a, a partner a leader how do you build them in your team and across your organization so looking at it from a couple of different angles so agile um well, when I think of, of that, I think of adaptability. I, I, I think of, of moving and grooving, and okay. and, and, and being and, and being out there uh, along with entrepreneurial. And when I think of entrepreneurial, I think of fear, because uh, I don't think there's an entre- entrepreneur out there that doesn't live with that. But that's a, a motivating kind of yeah, absolutely. Uh, How do you explain this to, let's say, the accounting profession? Yeah. So, so if I were to dig into um, to agile, is is a place to start. You know, agility is something that wasn't even really on the radar up until maybe about 10, 15 years ago. It's something that you heard about, you know, on the sports field, agility drills, mm-hmm. but you really didn't hear about it in a business sense. Uh, Center for Creative Leadership ha- has done research, and they've continued to do research on the top skills that organizations are looking to hire for and build. And agility really popped onto the radar uh, maybe about 10 years ago. And by 2022, what they're saying is uh, agility, adaptability, versatility, those are going to be top five skills that organizations are looking to hire for. And I would also suggest they are top five skills that we need to be thinking about in business development and building because our clients are expecting that of us. They're expecting us to show agility. And so in order to do that, we have to be building that in ourselves. What are some of those drills that, that you would suggest? Uh, uh, because you know, I, one of my favorite uh, quotes is from Simon Sinek. It says, like, just because you went to a leadership seminar doesn't make you a leader. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you've got to put in the work each and every day. So those drills. So, so what do those drills look like? Or, or, or what, what does one need to do? Yeah, yeah. And uh, if I could come back to that Simon Sinek point for just a moment, when we were talking a little bit before we, uh, before we got on the podcast, it's, it's this idea that we, you, can go, you can go to a training, you can read a book, but the, the, the switch has to be in the application and applying things and trying them and failing at them and moving forward in them. That's the only way that, that we learn leadership, business development, whatever that is. So for those who might be in a manager or a senior manager role, and you're looking to grow to a partner level, growing to partner comes through a book of business and making sure that we're building a book of business. So so back to your question about how do you actually build agility? So a couple of things. One is building strategic speed. And... uh, (laughs) Yeah, so strategic speed, uh, I I cannot take credit for that phrase. I first came across it from the Forum Corporation and some research that they've done. But strategic speed is the ability to work simultaneously toward the long term and also creating momentum in the short term. Okay. So how do we build agility? Uh, Strategic speed is one of the ways that we can build agility. And I I can't take credit for that phrase. I first came across that from uh, the Forum Corporation. And building strategic speed is simultaneously being able to uh, work toward a long-term goal. Like say you're looking at some kind of strategic initiative in the firm. Maybe it's adding a new service line. Maybe it's growing into a different uh, different geography vertical. That's a long-term goal. That's mm-hmm. 12 plus months. So you set something like that, but you also have to be able to create short-term wins, a quarterly wins, wins every six months to help you continue to build momentum toward the goal. 
So it's simultaneous. Like it's almost looking in two directions, long term and short term. So so that is that's one way we can build agility. And and you said a word, and it's it's a four letter F word, fail. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and and nobody likes to fail. No nobody. But that's the only way we learn. And kind of like the DNA of a CPA and an accountant is you know, failure is not an option. No. But that's where changing their mind, your, their mindset is it's okay to fail. It, it hurts. It doesn't feel comfortable. But remember what you did and try not to do that again or, or try to look at it from a different angle. Uh, but the key is don't give up. Yep. I think, and if I, and I didn't, didn't specifically say this when you asked me to share about my background, but as people could probably pick up on, I don't have a CPA, accounting, finance background whatsoever. So even coming into this type of, um, this type of environment and building a book of business and professional services, there's a fair amount of failure that, that goes along with that. And um, one of the things that I've picked up in my conversations with CPA firms is the idea that sometimes failure can be seen as if, if I make a mistake here, I may not be the trusted advisor in my clients or my prospective clients' eyes, and we're, we're trusted to get everything right. And so if something doesn't go, go according to plan, maybe you're out there growing that new geography, growing that new vertical. If something doesn't go according to plan, we can internalize it and we take it as a huge failure, but we're not willing to take the risk again and we have we have to be able to get past that yeah you, you've, you've got to get you know back up on the horse if you get, yeah. if you get thrown off it. And, it and it hurts i mean we've all have we've all done we all know how it feels but it feels so much better when we do succeed and actually see, see it through than giving up at that point and walking away yeah and so, sometimes the things that that don't go right the the failures and failure is um not it's Nothing's ever an absolute success or an absolute failure. There are things that go well and don't go well about everything that we try. But part of agility is being able to pull the the lessons out of that. And then you keep those lessons, you kind of let the other stuff go. And those lessons start to become your experience for the next time you're faced with a situation that is completely unrelated. So being able Mm -hmm. to apply our experiences to a net new situation and figuring out what to do, that's also agility. Okay. So talk about entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the idea behind a modern seller being an entrepreneur, being entrepreneurial, is if you are... So whether you're manager, senior manager, you're someone partner level, at the highest level in your firm, look at yourself or look at the people in your firm. Do they see themselves as employees? Or do they see themselves as the founder and the CEO, maybe the chief bootstrapper of their (laughs) own book of business? Because that's a real different way of thinking. When you think of your book of business or your team's book of business as as a business, you make different decisions. You're looking at the top line. You're looking at the bottom line. You're looking at your best opportunities. You're not just looking at what's right in front of you. You're looking at the much bigger picture and you make your decisions differently. So we want to have people in our organization that are thinking entrepreneurially because that's what's going to help us grow. I've always said to partners and firms, when you have a new hire and they come in, their their cubicle, their area 
that's their shop. And yeah. the, more that, the more that you can get them to realize the, 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 the revenue and the costs associated with that, by the time they get to manager, they'll be further ahead than with where we are now. Um, but part of the part of the reluctance of doing that is I've heard from other partners, but we don't want to tell them everything. You don't have to tell them everything, but you can tell them enough to get started. And as they move up that line, that that thought process of an owner, that thought process of an entrepreneur makes you more vested in what you're doing than just, I'm here just to collect a check. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the more... So to that point, the, the, the earlier on in their time with you that they can be involved in opportunities go on business development calls, be a part of RFPs and pursuits, if, if that's something that's part of what you do, the earlier they get involved in that, the more exposure they get to the business as a whole. And they see that business as a whole and they start to give them an opportunity to start thinking like that owner. The other piece on that transparency part, mm-hmm. I, can understand, I can understand reluctance to sometimes share everything that goes on behind the scenes, you know, warts and all, right? But part of engagement and part of retaining that top talent is that is having a level of transparency that they really understand all the good, maybe some of the things that aren't working so well in the business, because they may have your next awesome idea that's going to fix that problem or catapult the business forward. And we need to give them the opportunity to, uh, to develop those skills. Exactly. And, and and if they take the mindset of I'm investing into my people yeah. versus what's this training going to cost, as well as I, I still think, and I think you'd agree with me because we're in the same kind of business, when we go and speak at, and, and do workshops and stuff, it, that's an event yeah. for us. We're there, we're gone. Now it's the responsibility of the organization to see it through and not revert. It's so easy to revert back to the rut that we've been in because this is new and hard and different. Senior management, partners, whomever have to be accountable to keep the message moving forward in order for it to be a success. Right. That's the reinforcement piece. And in every time I am doing a speaking engagement, a keynote, or any kind of maybe longer-term learning initiative... It's figuring out the most important ways to help them retain and reinforce so that they can take it beyond that day. And I'm helping them to make sure that it's getting embedded into their culture. Exactly. I believe the third one you mentioned was holistic. Yeah, yeah. Holistic. Um, (laughs) Yep. There was one thing that you said that I wanted to come back to and just make a point on. And this is something I've started to do for myself. It's the language between cost and investment. And I've started to think for myself, instead of using the word cost for something, this costs X number of dollars, this costs X amount of time, is thinking about it in terms of an investment. I'm, in, I'm choosing to invest this amount of time. I'm choosing to invest this financially. And that flip of the switch has helped me to think a little differently about the decisions that I'm making about where I'm investing my time and where I'm investing my financial resources. And I would encourage anyone in any role in a, in a CPA firm to start thinking about these types of skills as investments versus costs and seeing if that language change it helps propel you forward. 
Oh, oh, and it will. It, it will. And I, I remember who introduced that concept to me, Steve Gilliand. Okay. Uh, um, and, and, and it served me well. And I, I share that with other CPAs about get rid of the word cost. That's negative. It's, you know, it's the investment. I believe the third one of the five is holistic, yep. which I'm still trying to get my mind about what you mean by that holistic. Yeah. So, so it really takes a, I look at it two ways in, in the, in the, uh, in this particular capability. So the, so the first part of holistic is, this idea that in any given day, we have a finite amount of resources when it comes to our time, our energy, our motivation, and our discipline. The way in which we choose to invest those resources on any given day directly impacts our business development results, whatever results it is that we happen to be going for, business development or otherwise. And it's the sum of those daily investments that determine whether or not we hit those long-term goals or even those short-term goals. So, so that's the one way that I look at holistic in, in the book. The other way is holistic when it comes to working with our clients and our prospective clients. And are we looking at the way we're building a relationship with them holistic? Are we looking at it holistically in the sense of mapping their buying expectations to the way that we happen to develop business? Are we looking at the entire ecosystem of our partners, internal or external, to help them reach their goals? So it's a personal look and a business look. Okay, got it. And you keep saying the word business development. And um, I was a banker at one point in my life, and that was my favorite part of the job was the actual business development. But it also scares people because now, oh God, that's networking. It's sales and networking and those words that we really don't like. And, 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 you know, I asked him about networking and and do they like networking? Most people don't. And I look at him square in the eye and say, I blame your mother. And they they look like, what? So what what did your mother always tell you? Never talk to strangers. strangers. Right. 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 But But there's no such thing as a stranger in a business environment. They're just potential opportunities. Yep. And I, um, I like to think of business development, sales, whatever we happen to call it. We have to build cultures, a sales culture, a business development culture in our firms if we're going to continue to be successful today and into the future. And I like to think of business development as creating the right relationships. So to mm-hmm. your point on networking and also looking at it as I am helping my professional services clients solve some of their biggest challenges. I'm a problem solver and a trusted advisor. I'm someone who's strategic to their business. And mm-hmm. what I bring is valuable. And we're creating a mutually valuable relationship. We have to change the, the mindset or the language around business development and sales so that we can create the culture that we want to create. And the only way we can become better at business development, better at sales, is do it every single day. This That's is the pot right. column. This is the pot calling the kettle black. I, I will be transparent. This, yeah, I, and this is something that I'm working on every single day as an entrepreneur. You know, well, I should be working on content. When I'm working on content, oh, I should be over here marketing. It's, I know. So, but the, without the marketing, you don't have the opportunities. So I won't need the content. And it's 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 a challenge to change that mindset, but it. Do it in small baby steps. 
And to that point, one of the things that's helped me is I, um, now I have CRM tools. I'm actually looking at, at my desk. I have a good old, good old uh, handwritten notepad here with, um, with my prospecting list on it. And if we can invest as little as 30 to 60 minutes a day, if you have more, great. But to your point of baby steps, if we can block out 30 to 60 minutes a day of true focus on business development, we're going to make progress. If we can block two hours a day on business development, we'll make even more progress. Mm. The idea, and this is around the holistic of where we're investing our time, energy, discipline, motivation, is finding where we have the most energy in a given day and blocking our most important activities for those times of the day. Exactly. And I'm doing a better job at it. And we also do a better job at where do we invest that time and, and, and what are we most productive? I, you know, when I was writing the book, most productive times first thing in the morning. Yeah. So that's when I would write. Uh, I'm still doing some writing, but now that first part of the morning, I invest in, okay, my marketing efforts and what do I need to be doing? Because then I have the energy. Then, you know, in the afternoon, I'll do the other boring, tedious stuff. Now, I was able to download a chapter from your book and it was the this fourth one on social. Yeah. And I will say when I saw the word social, I went, uh, is she going down the social media path? I, I, I'm going, but as I was reading through, um, you are not going down the social media path. So it was right. very interesting. So talk about social. You know, I get that reaction a lot is, oh, I'm ready for, I'm ready for a whole section on social selling or social media. Yeah. And one of the things I really tried to steer clear of in the book was too much technology talk. Technology tools are enablers in, in my in a good way most mm-hmm. of the time. They, they, are, they are enablers. And when we know the goals that we're looking to accomplish, the relationships that we're looking to build, the tools are out there to, to help us reach those goals. But I purposefully tried to steer clear of specific technology and tools for that reason, because the tools always change. Right. The idea behind the social capability or the social dimension of the modern seller is you know, social capital is never going to have a line item on a P&L. It, 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 I, I don't think it will anyway. I've never seen it. <laughs> but the idea behind it is, is that individuals and organizations that really understand social capital, and I'll give it a definition here in a moment, they really understand social capital. They understand the power of strategic relationships and investing intentionally in the right relationships because that's going to help them accelerate their business development goals, any other goals. And you do it in a much more rewarding, impactful way when you approach your relationship building with intention and you're very strategic about it. And if I could give just a working definition to social capital, yes, I see social capital as the collective value that our networks are able to build. So I have a network. You, Peter, have a network. If we are combining our networks together in the service of a greater goal, we are creating social capital because our two networks are combined, are more powerful than us just as individuals. Exactly. And... and- so how how do you do that? Because yeah. I always looked at you want to put the right people in your network. Yeah, and there's always somebody who I wanted to meet that I hadn't met. So I'm always, I was always out there trying to find some for the introduction. Mm-hmm. 
Or if I happened to be at an event that they were there, I, I would walk up and introduce myself and you know try to start up a, a little bit of a conversation and then follow up and continue that kind of drip, drip, drip campaign to build that relationship, to build mm-hmm. that trust within the relationship. But once again, there's another one of these things that just takes time. And a lot of times we don't have time. <laughs> Right. Or or we see that it takes time and then we make a choice about whether or not we want to continue making that time investment because mm-hmm. it's, we have the time, it's just choosing where we invest the time. But yes, for, for, to, for really strong relationships, I would say that you can create good value in a short amount of time if you have the right intention and you know what's important to them. And sure, we have to build that that longer term trust over time. Yes, and I want to go down a little different path with this because um, yeah, sure. when we said invest, so that's part of the holistic aspect. So I see how this is all tying in together. But getting the attention of folks who are protective prospects yeah. to do business, and sometimes it's hard to get past that gatekeeper. Uh, I've been challenging uh, a lot of folks these days to, when's the last time they wrote an article on their expertise and had it published in some journal, some accounting journal or in uh, a newsletter within your organization to highlight yourself. I had a former student of mine who was uh, worked for Deloitte. She was tax side when she got a new job and she was writing and was getting published in business first. I'm like, holy cow. Right. And then we reconnected. Yep. So that's another way. Uh, and to the point of I wanted to try to find somebody, uh, there was a partner in a, uh, there was a firm called Witham Smith and Brown, and I wanted to meet somebody in that firm. I don't know anybody in the firm, but uh, I saw that one of the partners writes an article for accounting today. So I got the name, I sent an email that I read and just trying to get that door open and it worked. Yeah, and and those are those are great door openers. Um, I'm thinking of a of a a prospect meeting that I have later this week that I was introduced to through um, Association for Accounting Marketing because I've done quite a bit of work for that association. I've done webinars, I've published articles, I've uh, spoken at their conferences. So I've hopefully proven my value by being part of that association. And then uh, an introduction was made for me um, by that association to this firm. And I would have never been able to open a door that quickly on my own, but that door was opened for me through a trusted relationship. Now, that does not mean we're going to necessarily do business together. It is simply an introduction for a conversation to understand more about what is it that they're looking to accomplish could I be the right person? If great, if so, great. Let's continue the conversation. If not, maybe there's someone in my network I could introduce them to. And that right there, having your network and being willing to leverage your network in the service of others, that will keep a door open and that will open a door and keep it open every time. Exactly. I, I, I try to do that as well. If I'm not the right fit, do I know somebody who could be? Let me give you a referral. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. last but not least, is of the five ambassador ambassador so is this one the one that's going to tie all the other four together in or is there just a thread that runs through all 
I think it's a little bit of yes and. <laughs> there is a. Uh... <laughs> How about that for an answer? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so this one it absolutely stands independently, but there is a thread. I I would say that ambassador in many ways ties together agile, entrepreneurial, holistic, and social. Um, someone who is an ambassador. If we think about an ambassador in a um, in a global sense. An ambassador is someone who uh, is a bridge between countries and cultures. We are ambassadors in much the same way. We're ambassadors um, from our organizations to our clients and prospects. We are a bridge into the greater community, into our industries, into our associations. Um, so we, when we start to think of ourselves as a bridge in that way, our job is to build those relationships, build those opportunities. And when we, uh, something that an ambassador is really, really good at, they are really great at being able to embody the values of their firm. But they also stand really uniquely tall in their own expertise, their own brand, something that makes them unique and stand out. They, are, they do not fall into the, into the world of sameness. They, they absolutely stand out, but they, they embody the value, values of their firm too. And it makes them so valuable to the firm, to their prospects and clients, to the industry, etc. So think about an ambassador and how you're describing it. It's, it's that visibility aspect uh, of, and I, I think a, a great way that's underutilized about this ambassadorship is called volunteering. Or being part of a not-for-profit board, mm-hmm. or or volunteering at your state CPA society or association, and, and one meeting everybody, but then building your brand, building an ambassadorship, uh, and, and thought leadership to a holy, to a whole new level. Absolutely. So, so finding those organizations where you can stand out and you can contribute, and I always try to challenge myself for any organization that I want to contribute more to what's the what's the highest profile most impactful committee that i can find and can i become a part of that so so that that's absolutely one way that i look to grow my brand and is through that association involvement and there's a kind of a fine line it's uh, there's so many associations that we can <laughs> become a part of and so i i kind of segment mine i i think about the ones where I am joining because it's for my professional development. And then I look at the ones, yeah, they're, they're still going to have a professional development piece to it. But I look at the ones that, also, that I can also say, all right, can this association, if I really provide value, can I become more visible to um, organizations that I'd like to do business with? Can I leverage it for business mm-hmm. development? So when I segment my organizations in that way, that helps me make better decisions about where I'm going to invest extra time to, to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Because back to being holistic, we have a finite amount of resources in, in a given day and we have to be selective about where we're investing those resources. So let me just sum up what I heard. Yeah. Amy Franco is going to be the new president of the National Speakers Association of Ohio chapter in the ah. very future. <laughs> Is that what you heard? That's exactly what I heard. <laughs> Did you all hear that if you're listening? Did you hear that thing? <laughs> I'm going to make sure everybody at the chapter hears this. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, 
<laughs> you would be an excellent, excellent president. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, but, but you are invested, when you said professional development, you are invested that time into the organization, yeah. uh, into the association, and, and to always continue to hone our skills. Yeah. And the, I tell you what, there's no better place if you want to, if you're, do anything like we do, keynotes, training, or whatever. National Speakers Association around the country is a great place to invest your time into because that return on that investment is huge. It's a, it's a, it's such a high caliber organization. I totally agree. And your last point about the return on investment, taking some time to think about what would you like that return on your investment to be for yourself so that you can make choices about how to best invest your time. I'll, I'll use, use a quick example of something that has really helped me to develop business over time. And I think, I think it falls well into the ambassador capability. Um, I was part of the Association for Talent Development for a number of years. I still am. But at one time, I was very heavily invested uh, locally, and I had created a couple of leadership forums. And I ran these forums... Uh, quarterly for a number of years. And I would use it as an opportunity to invite decision makers and leaders in my given spaces to come together as a networking opportunity and an educational opportunity for them. It was invitation only. They had to be of a certain level in their organization. And there was no selling involved whatsoever. Um, This is an idea anybody could adapt no matter what industry you're in. And I would bring these people together once a quarter over lunch I would bring topics of interest to them. I would pull them and I'd bring topics of interest to them. And that's what we spent the time doing for for 90 minutes, once a quarter. Not once did I ever pitch my services or myself, but I can't tell you how valuable it was for relationship building, allowing these people to create their own networks with one another and problem solve with one another. And it it came back to me in spades in so many ways. Um, Relationships, it did come back to me in terms of business development, business opportunities. Um, so, so that kind of winds a number of those dimensions together. Yes, it, one idea. Yes, it does. And uh, you've just described something that's been in the back of my head for a year. Yeah. Yeah, I, and actually, I have, I have thought about doing something very similar to that, to getting a group of, of partners and firms, and then also CFOs and on on meeting quarterly, but not as as partners and then the CFOs and the partners and the CFOs. Um, that has, that, that, and I've actually explored that idea and I appreciate you bringing it up because now it's on my to-do list again. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it's just that investment of time. But um, I, I will have to ask you advice on, on that when, when we're done. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and what I was trying to accomplish. So as we, as we, Begin to wrap up. How how do you put a nice bow on top of on top of your book? Uh, yeah. So how do I put a bow on it? So one one of the things when as I was writing the book and doing the research for the book, um, and th- this is very much a learning and development principle. We tend to learn uh, in a in I call it modular. We tend to learn in a way that's modular, and we want things to build off of one another. So anything that you learn, and then you pick up a new skill, you want those things to connect together. So the way that I wrote the book is that it's in these five unique sections or dimensions. And as you were thinking about this conversation today, which one of those five really stands out to you the most? So if you're listening in to this, 
Which one of those five caught your attention the most? That's where I always recommend to start because when you start there, you'll start to see other, uh, you'll start to see improvements in some of the other dimensions as well. So that, that's my, that's how I like to put the bow on it in terms, in terms of learning and development. So the one that I just think the one that stuck out to me, and, and I'll resonate on this one, is the holistic side because that was probably the big surprise on how you described it. I wasn't what I was expecting, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in that investment and and, and that time. Um, so where can they find uh, the book, The Modern Seller? Yeah, so if you go out to amyfranco.com, it's a, you can find everything that you need about the book. You can download a free chapter, and it's also available on Amazon um, hardcover, Kindle, and in about 60 days, um, Audible. So let me just say, Amy Franco, and it's F-R-A-N-K-O, just so it makes sure everybody gets that, dot .com. And I'm looking for, forward to... Um, seeing it come out and audible and so did you did you read it i did yeah oh. i was i was i was the narrator and yeah. after after talking to a number of authors who had you know i they had either narrated it themselves or they outsourced the narration to a person they all said make sure to narrate your own book as the author it's your connection to your audience so so the narration out there is me yeah, I, I narrated my book a couple of years ago, but I never uh, uploaded to Audible. I was uh, selling off my website, but I've decided the book has been out there so long. I'm going to launch it in Audible. Uh, about, I think I've got a plan for about June. Okay, first book. that's but, exciting. But congratulations on that. Thank you so very you. much, Amy. I'm I'm really excited about this book. Uh, and like I said, if you want to get a hold of Amy, go to her website, amyfranco.com. Everything you need, you can email her. And I wish you all the best of luck and hopefully see you at a future NSA Ohio meeting. Uh, thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. Now that you've listened to this episode, what are your next steps in the pursuit of becoming a modern seller? Which of the five skill sets have you fully developed? Which of the five skill sets is your weakest? Will you build a strategy and strengthen your weakest and leveraging your strongest? Well, now is the time for action. Devise a strategy and work on it every single day. It takes baby steps in order to change a habit. So thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Also, please visit www.c-sweetradio.com to listen to many of the excellent podcasts that they have in their network. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Sweet Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.